chapter one of the splendid outcast this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by tony oliva the splendid outcast by george gibbs chapter one the convalescent jim horton awoke in high fever and great pain but the operation upon his skull had been successful and it was believed that he would recover something as to the facts of the exploit of the wounded man had come to the hospital and he was an object of especial solicitude by both surgeons and nurses they had worked hard to save him that he might be alive for the decoration that was sure to come and the night had brought a distinct improvement in his condition the nurse still watched his breathing eagerly and wrote down the new and favourable record upon the chart by his bedside miss newberry was not in the least sentimental and the war had blunted her sensibilities but there was no denying the fact that when the dressing was removed from his head the patient was extremely good to look at he rewarded her on the morrow with a smile how long have i been here he murmured hazily six days she replied but you mustn't talk six wounded Shh. in the head shoulder and leg but you're doing nicely won't you tell me he began but she soothed him gently not now later perhaps you must sleep again drink this please horton obeyed for he found himself too weak to oppose her it was very restful here he wriggled his toes luxuriously against the soft sheets for a moment if things would only stop whirling around and the pain but that seemed to cease again and he slept indeed his awakening was only to half-consciousness other days and nights followed when he lay in a sort of doze aware of much suffering and a great confusion of thought but slowly as he grew stronger the facts of his present position emerged from the dimness and with them a mild curiosity scarcely lucid as yet as to how he had gotten there at last there came a morning when the fog upon his memory seemed to roll aside and he began to recall one by one the incidents that had preceded his unconsciousness there had been a fight some fight that was huns all over the place in a ring around the rocks up in the branches of the trees everywhere but he had held on until the boche had started to run when the american line advanced he remembered that the engineers could do other things besides build saps and bridges good old engineers something was wrong somewhere out of his clouded brain slowly the facts came to him things that had happened before the fight just before harry his twin brother harry lying in the ditch just behind jim's squad of engineers a coward in a blue funk afraid to carry out his major's orders to go forward and investigate a coward of course harry would be he had always been a coward jim horton sighed his mind ambling weakly into vacancy suddenly arrested by a query what else what else had happened 
something to do with a remarkable likeness between himself and harry the likeness so strong that only their own mother had been able to tell them apart memory came to him with a rush he remembered now what had happened in the darkness what he had done taken harry's lieutenant's uniform giving the coward his own corporal's outfit then he jem horton had gone on and carried out the major's orders leaving the coward writhing in the ditch by george the fight he jim horton had won the victory at boissiere wood for the blank infantry for harry as harry perhaps he was really harry and not jim horton at all he glanced around him curiously as though somewhat amused at the metempsychosis and then thoughtfully shook his head no he was jim horton all right jim horton there was no mistake about that but harry imagine meeting harry in a situation like that after all these years a coward not that that was a very surprising thing harry had always been a quitter there was nothing that harry could do or be that wasn't utterly despicable in the eyes of his brother jim and after having spent the best part of five years trying to live the memory of harry down the nurse appeared silently and looked into jim horton's eyes he closed them a moment and then smiled at her how do you feel she asked better lots better he answered you see i can really think i wouldn't try to do that not yet oh i'm all right and the nurse was ready for the first time to believe that her patient was to remain this side of the borderline of the dim realm into which she had seen so many go for his eyes were clear and he spoke with definite assurance but the question that he asked made her dubious again i say nurse would you mind telling me what my name is she gazed at him a moment as though a little disappointed and then replied quietly lieutenant henry g horton of the blank infantry oh said the patient i see i think you'd better sleep a while then i want the major to see you oh don't bother i'm coming through all right now i'm sure of it but i want to tell you the nurse silenced him gently then felt his pulse and after another glance at him moved to the next bed it had been a wonderful operation but then they couldn't expect the impossible jim horton closed his eyes but he didn't sleep with the shadow of death still hovering over him he was trying to think charitably of harry of the man who had worked such havoc in the lives of those nearest him the five years that had passed since the death of their mother poor tired soul who until the end believed the whole thing a mistake could not have been fruitful in anything but evil in the life of the reprobate twin brother who had robbed the family of what had been left of the estate and then fled away from the small town where they lived to the gay lights of new york and now here he was an officer of the united states army where commissions do not come without merit what did it mean harry was always clever enough too clever by half had he quit drinking was he living straight there seemed but one answer to these questions or he could not have held his job in the army his job 
his commission wouldn't last long if his commanding officer knew what jim horton did they all thought that the patient in the hospital bed was harry horton a lieutenant of the blank infantry the corporal had won the lieutenant some glory it seemed instead of the ruin that awaited the discovery of the cowardice and disobedience of orders but the substitution would be discovered unless jim horton could find his brother harry and how was he going to manage that from his hospital bed a gentle perspiration exuded from jim horton's pores being surrounded by boche in the wood was distinctly less hazardous than this and so when the nurse returned with the major he did his best to straighten out the tangle the major was much pleased at the patient's progress made a suggestion or two about a change in the treatment and was on the point of turning away when horton spoke would you mind sir just a word of course something bothering you yes you see the patient hesitated again his lips twisting this whole thing is a mistake the doctor eyed the sick man narrowly a mistake and then kindly i don't understand horton frowned at the bed rail you see sir i'm not henry g horton i i'm somebody else he saw the nurse and the doctor exchange glances ah well said the medical man with a smile i wouldn't bother about it but i do bother about it sir i've got to tell you i'm another man i changed uniforms with with another fellow in the dark he finished uneasily the same look passed between nurse and surgeon and then he saw miss newberry's head move slightly from left to right the doctor rose oh very well don't let it bother you my man we'll get you all untangled presently just try not to think you're doing nicely and the major moved slowly down the ward jim horton frowned at the medical officer's broad back thinks i'm nutty he muttered to himself and then grinned the story was a little wild when the major had left the ward the nurse came back and smoothed horton's pillow you're to be very quiet she said gently and sleep all you can but nurse he protested i don't want to sleep any more i told him the truth i've taken another man's place you did it very well from all accounts she said with a smile and you'll take another man's before long they say what do you mean promotion she laughed but you won't get it if you have a relapse i'm not going to have a relapse i'm all right better every day and i'd like you to understand that i know exactly what i'm saying i took another man's job he was was sick and i took his place i'm not lieutenant horton nurse you may be whatever you please if you'll only go to sleep bless your heart that isn't going to change my identity his positiveness rather startled her and made her pause and stare at him soberly but in a moment her lips curved into a smile rather tender and sympathetic it wouldn't do to let this illusion grow so gently she said your authenticity is well vouched for the report of your company captain the sergeant major of your battalion you see you've become rather a famous person in the blank i've seen some of your papers 
they're all quite regular even your identification disc it's here in the drawer with some other things that were in your pockets so please relax and sleep again won't you i mustn't talk to you it's contrary to orders but nurse she patted him gently on the arm put a warning finger to her lips and silently stole away his gaze followed her the length of the room until she disappeared through the door when he sank back on his pillows with a groan nutty he muttered to himself wonder if i am he touched the bandage and realized that his head was beginning to throb again no i'm jim horton all right there's no doubt about that but how i'm going to make these seraphic idiots believe it is more than i can see that sergeant and the men by george and the sergeant major probably looked me over at the dressing station oh lord what a mess things began whirling around and jim horton closed his eyes he wasn't quite as strong as he thought he was and after a while he slept again downstairs in the major's office two surgeons and the nurse in charge were discussing the case queer obsession that thinks he's another man there may be some pressure there yet it ought to have cleared up by this it's shock sir i think he'll come out of it he's coming on miss newberry splendidly that's what i can't understand he looks as though he knew what he was saying any chance of there being a mistake none at all sir dr rawson came down with him in the ambulance his own company captain was there when the patient was given first aid he would have known his own lieutenant sir there can't be any mistake but he has scarcely any fever never mind keep an extra eye on him the wound is healing nicely he'll come through all right so nurse newberry returned to the ward somewhat gratified to find her charge again peacefully asleep the next day the patient did not revert to his obsession but lay very quiet looking out of the window his failure to reveal his secret left him moody and thoughtful but his temperature was normal and he was without pain you say there were some things in the pockets of of my blouse he asked the nurse yes would you like to have them the patient nodded and she gave them to him the identification disc a wristwatch some money a notebook and some papers he looked them over in an abstracted way sinking back on his pillow at last holding the letters in his hand then at last as though coming to a difficult decision he took one of the letters out of its envelope and began reading it was in a feminine hand and added more heavily to the burden of his responsibilities dear harry it ran i'm just back to my room a wife of three hours with a honeymoon in a railway station it all seems such a mistake without even an old shoe to bless myself with if i've helped you i'm glad of it but i'm not going to lie just to square us two with the almighty for the mockery i've been through i don't love you harry and you know that i did what dad asked me to do and i'd do it again if he asked me he seems restless to-night and talks about going back to paris i suppose i could do something over there for i've lost all impulse for my work perhaps we'll come and then you could run up and see us 
i'll try to be nice to you harry i will really you know there's always been something lacking in me i seem to have given everything to my painting so there's very little left for you which is the irish in me saying i'm a heartless hussy soon i'll be sending you the pair of gray socks which i knitted with my own hands they're bunchy in spots and there's a knot or two here and there but i hope you can wear them for the dell's own time i had making them good night i suppose that i should be feeling proud of my sacrifice i don't somehow but i'll be feeling glad if you have another bar to your shoulder that might make me proud knowing that i'd helped moira p s don't be getting killed or anything i never wanted to marry anybody but i don't want you done away with besides i've a horror of crape m jim horton read the letter through furtively with a growing sense of intrusion it was like listening at a confessional or peering through a keyhole and somehow its ingenuous frankness aroused his interest harry had been married to this girl who didn't love him and she had consented because her father had wanted her to he felt unaccountably indignant on her account against harry and the father pretty name moira like something out of a book she seemed to breathe both youth and hope tinged horribly with regret he liked her handwriting which had dashed into her thoughts impulsively and he also liked the slight scent of sachet which still clung to the paper he liked the girl better pitied her the more because her instinct had been so unerring if she had thrown herself away she had done it with her eyes wide open a girl who could make such a sacrifice from lofty motives would hardly condone the thing that harry had been guilty of a coward there was another letter of a much later date in a masculine hand jim horton hesitated for a moment and then took it out of its envelope harry boy he read so far as i can see at this writing the whole thing has gone to the diminution bow-wows suddenly without a by your leave the money stopped coming i wrote to v and cabled but the devil of a reply did he give so i'm coming to paris with moira at once and it looks as though we'd have to put the screws on but i'd be feeling better if the papers were all shipshape and bristol fashion you'll have to help maybe the uniform will turn the odd trick if it don't we'll find some way i feel guilty as hell about moira if you ever make her unhappy i'll have the blood of your heart but i'm hoping that the love will come if you play the game straight with her meanwhile we'll feather the nest if we can he's got to come across there's some agency working against us and i've got to be on the scene to ferret instanter moira got some portraits to do or we wouldn't have had the wherewithal for the passage as it is i'll be having to make the move with considerable skill leaving some obligations behind but it can't be helped and moira won't know the world is but a poor place for the man who doesn't make it give him a living mine has been wretched enough god knows 
and the whisky one buys over the bar in new york is an insult to an irishman's intelligence to say nothing of being a plague upon his vitals enough of this come to the rue de Tavennes, number seven in your next furlough and we'll make a move by that time i'll have a plan moira sends her love yours very faithfully barry quinlevin p s there was a pretty squall brewing over the stamford affair but i reefed sail and weathered it so you can sleep in peace b q jim horton lay for a while thinking and then read the two letters again the masculine correspondent was the girl's father barry quinlevin it seemed was a scoundrel of sorts and the girl adored him many of the passages in the letter were mystifying who was de v and what was harry's connection with this affair it was none of jim horton's business but in spite of himself he began to feel an intense sympathy for the girl moira who was wrapped in the coils of what seemed on its face to be an ugly intrigue if it wasn't something worse strange name quinlevin it was moira's name too irish the phrase about having harry's heart's blood showed that barry quinlevin wasn't beyond compunctions about the girl but why had he connived at this loveless marriage there must have been a reason for that jim morton put the letters in the drawer and gave the problem up it wasn't his business whom harry had married or why the main thing was to get well and out of the hospital so that he could find his brother and set the tangle straight he couldn't imagine just how the substitution was to be accomplished but if harry had played the game there was a chance that it might yet be done he didn't want harry's job and he silently cursed himself for the unfortunate impetuous moment that had brought about all the trouble but how had he known that he was going to be hit if he had only succeeded in getting back to the spot where harry was waiting for him no one would ever have been the wiser no one knew now but of course the masquerade couldn't last forever the situation was impossible meanwhile what was harry doing had he succeeded in playing out the game during jim horton's sickness or had he found himself in a tight place and quit it would have been easy enough horton shivered slightly desertion flight ignominy disgrace and it wasn't harry horton's good name that would be in question but his own that of jim horton corporal of engineers as a name it didn't stand for much yet even out in kansas city but he had never done anything to dishonor it and he didn't want the few friends he had to think of him as a quitter nobody had ever accused him of being that what a fool he had been to take such a chance for a man like harry in the midst of these troublesome meditations he was aware of nurse newberry approaching from the end of the ward following her were two people who stopped at his bed a man and a girl the man was strong with grizzled hair a bobbed imperial and a waxed moustache 
the girl had black hair and slate blue eyes and even as jim horton stared at them he was aware of the man confidently approaching and taking his hand well harry don't you know me a voice said rather hazy eh i don't wonder who the devil were these people there must be a mistake jim horton mumbled something the visitor's eyes were very dark brown shot with tiny streaks of yellow and he looked like an amiable satyr i've brought moira thought you'd like to see her the patient started then recovered himself he had forgotten the lapse of time since the letters had been written moira he muttered the girl advanced slowly as the man made place her expression had been serious but as she came forward she smiled softly harry she was whispering as he stared at her loveliness don't you know me moira he muttered weakly i'm not but his hands made no movement toward her and a warm flush spread over the part of his face that was visible you've been very sick harry but we came as soon as they let us and you're going to get well thank the holy virgin and then i'm not the words stuck in jim horton's throat and he couldn't utter them you're not what she questioned anxiously another pause of uncertainty i-i'm not very strong yet he muttered weakly turning his head to one side and as he said it he knew that in sheer weakness of fibre spiritual as well as physical he had made a decision the satyr behind her laughed softly naturally he said but you're going to be well very soon they were both looking at him and something seemed to be required of him so with an effort how long how long have you been in france he asked only three weeks said quinlevin watching the bulletins daily for news of you i found out a week ago but they wouldn't let us in until today and we can stay only five minutes then moira spoke again with a different note in her voice are you glad that i came she asked it was the least i could do glad the word seemed sufficient jim horton seemed glad to utter it if she would only recognize the imposture and relieve him of the terrible moment of confession but she didn't she had accepted him as quinlevin as all the others had done for his face value without a sign of doubt and barry quinlevin stood beaming upon them both his bright eyes snapping benevolence if ye get the v c harry boy she'll sure be worshipping ye jim horton's gaze fixed as though fascinated upon the quiet slate-blue eyes saw them close for a moment in trouble while a quick little frown puckered the white forehead and when she spoke again her voice uttered the truth that was in her heart one cannot deny valor she said coolly it is the greatest thing in the world she wanted no misunderstandings she only wanted harry horton to know that love was not for her or for him the faker under the bedclothes understood she preferred to speak of valor valor if only she knew jim horton gathered courage if he wasn't to tell the truth he would have to play his part 
everybody is brave out there he said with a gesture but not brave enough for mention said quinlevin genially it won't do harry boy a hero ye were and a hero ye'll remain horton felt the girl's calm gaze upon his face i'm so glad you've made good harry i am and i want you to believe it thanks he muttered why did she gaze at him so steadily it almost seemed as though she had read his secret he hoped that she had it would have simplified things enormously but she turned away with a smile you're to come to us of course as soon as they let you out she said quietly well rather laughed quinlevin the nurse had approached and the girl moira had moved to the foot of the bed barry quinlevin paused a moment putting a slip of paper in horton's hand well au revoir old lad in a few days again the wounded man's gaze followed the girl she smiled back once at him and then followed the nurse down the ward jim horton sank back into his pillows with a gasp well now you've done it now you have gone and done it he muttered End of chapter 1